Locked in Room Podcast. We watched uh, Cautious Hero. The hero is overpowered, but overly cautious. That's right. Uh, spoiler-free summary of episode one. Oh, hi. I'm I'm I'm. My name's Liar. I'm Rat. That's and now we're gonna do a st- there we <laughs> go spoiler-free intro of episode one. We oh for like one eleven of these at this point. We still <laughs> can't get that right. Ristarte, the newly appointed goddess of healing, is assigned an Eastkai world to help save as part of becoming a real goddess. Unfortunately, the one she's been assigned is classified as S-rank difficulty. After poring over the potential candidate, uh, candidates to find a suitable hero, she finally finds one that has fantastic stats. But after she summons him, she quickly learns that he's exactly the type to over-prepare and over-grind before any engagement. What did we give it? A three! Hey, a spoiler-free reason why we gave it a three. While I think that the first episode is actually quite good, more on that later, as the show progresses it seems to lose sight of what the pilot set it up to be. It's pretty sad watching the show crash and burn the way that it does, but if I had to name one culprit, it would be sacrificing genuinely decent humor for edgy nonsense that serves no end but to make a forgettable and sometimes pathetic series. You know, I think that's a, actually a really good word pathetic yeah it's pretty pathetic it's just like you know i suppose a better one would be pitiful because yeah. i genuinely do kind of feel bad for this one me i too. feel bad for this show me too because i i actually kind of liked it for the first couple episodes like i said more on that later but before we go too in depth should they watch it should they watch it no probably not probably not it's you know it's not like oh god stay away but yeah but like it's not if it's you've not seen like everything it. else you can check it out, I guess, that you're going to waste your time, but spoilers past this point. We've selected three subjects to discuss for the majority of the podcast. These subjects are episode one and episode two-ish, the rest of it, and tonal inconsistencies and shitty jokes. For each subject, we have each written a paragraph independent from each other and we'll read it aloud. Then we will ask two questions each in an open discussion format. Episode one and episode two-ish. Frankly, this show surprised me by getting off on the right foot. Several of the jokes actually made me laugh, and it had an air of self-awareness and subversion of expectations that set it up to be an actually effective parody. The animation is effective and reminded me of some of Trigger's more restrained works, and the only thing being the main character looking generic, but that was for an actual reason. It was rather slow-paced and suffers from the usual problem that a lot of comedy anime do of narrating its jokes as they happen, but overall was pretty well done. I agree. What a promising start. First of all, actually good choreography and above-brow animation. Funny jokes with him hiding his skills from Ristarte behind a series of firewalls or running away at the first sign of danger portray an air of self-awareness that I really like. Knowing how the rest of the show progresses from here makes me confused. It's almost like there are two different teams working on the show. One made a pilot and a pitch, while the other took the pitch and threw it in the trash. If it if the show was like just these two episodes, and that was like indicative of the quality of all of that, what would you give it? Like, like a, a seven, probably a six. Yeah, I'm th- I'd think I think strong, like strong six, weak yeah, seven. I'm thinking strong six, closer to light seven, but like, you know, it's. It's funny. It's genuinely funny. Sometimes. It's reasonably entertaining. It's reasonably entertaining. It's pretty fast-paced. The It looks good. They don't, like, over-explain shit all the time. The world does... They know that, like, oh, it's big isekai world. You know what's going on. This yeah. is, like, a parody, so we're not gonna explain this shit to you. Which I like. 
Yeah, and several of the jokes are, like, offhand things that they don't make a production over, like, sitting down at the stack of papers of potential candidates, like, oh, I, I chose from Japan on Earth, because, you know, yeah, like, we exactly. always do. So, yeah, it's like, I, I kind of like that direction. I also, like I alluded to, I think the uh, choreography is great. Yeah. In the beginning, there's the sequence where uh, our man is fighting... Uh, whoever the first villain is who I cannot remember and it's fine don't worry about it yeah uh, but that person has a sword booby or something. lady yeah booby lady with the sword or the whip or whatever yeah and she swings the sword and he like ducks his head and like it barely misses his neck and he like does like back cartwheels away and it's like that sequence was really cool yeah and it's actually got like a setup fight scene with actual choreography in it right what is like your litmus test for the show no longer is self-aware and maybe how that specifically applies to this, but you, that does not actually have to... You don't have to do that, necessarily. That's an interesting question. Like, when does it become, like, hold up? Does this show know that this is dumb? Because it clearly knows that it's dumb in episode one and two. Like, it, it's very obvious Yeah. that the show I'd, knows how dumb it is. I'd say the exact turning point. This might actually be in episode one or two, but towards the end of two, maybe? Sure. End of one? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, the, the turning point for me with the self-awareness of the show, not necessarily the comedy, but the self-awareness, was uh, when Booby Sword Lady started chopping people's heads off. Oh yeah, that happened. Yeah, it all of a sudden started getting serious and dark with a straight face. And it was like, do you know who you are? <laughs> like, you, yeah. you just introduced yourself as, hi, I'm the funny man. Yeah. Like, and then you started, like, executing people. Yeah. And it was... That particular one wasn't that big of an example, because it wasn't very long, and... Yeah, it was, was kind the... of... It was almost, like... It wasn't a throwaway line or anything, but it was, like... It was only, like, ten seconds. Fifteen seconds. Yeah, and then there was the good fight scene, and then some more good after that, and then it really started to decline, but... I think that was really, like, the inflection point for of this like, show. hold up, I gotta, like red flag went up. I gotta pay attention because yeah. that's not right. Be self-aware and like poking fun and try to be this serious narrative. Or at least that's a very fine line that you need to be writing. Right. So that kind of leads into the second question that yeah. I had, which was uh, what do you lose slash what do you gain by losing or having self-awareness? I mean, this is kind of a loaded, loaded language, and I don't mm -hmm. necessarily mean it this way, because there's plenty of good shows, like Mob Psycho, that are mm -hmm. self-aware, that don't. But, like, there is a way to, uh, being self-aware like that does kind of give you a pass on a lot of things, like world building and trope, like, utilizing tropes and stuff like that. You can kind of just get away with that, because it's like, yeah, it's, you know... Right, like, like that's not the point, and yeah. it's a parody. You're a parody. You can get away with this because you're not necessarily embracing the trope. Yeah, you're putting it on a pedestal to laugh at. Yeah, although the important part there that a lot of shows miss is uh, actually like laughing on, it, laughing at it instead right. of just like putting it on a pedestal and pointing at it. Right, which this show suffers from later. Yeah, we've seen well six now. E different isekai, arguably some of the uh, more popular and famous ones. Mm -hmm. uh, 
how effective would you say this uh, this was at this point at like parodying isekai and its tropes? I don't think it does that well. I think it's I think it's it's I mean it's the best that we've covered so far. Oh yeah. Um, in at least in these first couple episodes, not the rest of it, but just like episode one, two, maybe three. I don't actually think it levies any meaningful criticisms or anything. If you dress up all your characters in like bikinis yeah. and two pieces and call it a thieves outfit and then say oh it's parody it's like well no it's not you're dressing your character in a thieves outfit that's the trope not parody yeah, so it kind yeah. of requires pointing the finger next subject the rest of uh well that didn't last long not only has this show already devolved into repeating jokes but also the pretense of parody has been completely dropped semi-clever plays on isekai tropes and allusions to gaming the system are thrown out in exchange for my power is better than your power, shown in fighting shows that Cautious Hero was literally just making fun of mere episodes ago. This change in direction results in my complete disinterest in taking any of this seriously, as, like I said, the anime itself didn't want you to in the pilot. Uh, the issue is compounded even further when the series breaks out straight-faced isekai tropes for the final few episodes and tries to toss in a last-minute emotional tie to the main two characters. Throughout the series, we also follow our party of four through seemingly random encounters where no narrative ground is gained. Unfortunately, after too long, Daddy White Fox comes home and all the kids have to put their toys away and stop having fun. <laughs> What was once a self-aware nod at and subversion of isekai tropes soon starts doing the exact things it was mocking with a straight face seemingly without noticing. Before too long, the entire thing has devolved into another gritty drama firmly placed in Studio White Fox's wheelhouse with all the problems that come with that. What are some of the Studio White Fox hallmarks that this show falls prey to? Narrating to the audience, not bringing up plot points until after they're relevant, Overly edgy for literally no reason. Yeah, that's a big one. Throwing antagonists in at the 11th hour, just so that the main character has someone to fight. Similar with the emotional ties with the characters, like having a relationship, literally like the second to last episode or something like that. Surprise! Yeah, yeah. surprise, you're actually, like, you were his pregnant wife, who we ate, you and your baby, who was in womb remember when this was a comedy yeah <laughs> it's not great you know what else it does that white fox generally does hmm. it has a cast that's way too big it sure does there's like all of the god and goddesses that are pointless and just exist to like be over there general lady the war master who's also the king and a baby clear and a baby which is it's also on the nose for white fox for not knowing how to write it compelling character so they just give them a strange gimmick what part of the pilot would you say you miss the most if the show has to like stay the same mm -hmm. but it just gets one of the aspects of the pilot it is torn between self-awareness and choreography because yeah. if this is just going to turn into dark edgy show at least make it look good and yeah. do some like neat fights but with an air of self-awareness you might have like a making fun of dark edgy shows but i don't really see that for white fox because they're the people that do it yeah so so i think choreography is going to be my answer if we're going to do this stupid action thing where we just like fight in the cave 
with the I don't even remember what they were the like dragon kin people oh yeah in the cave like if we're gonna do that why don't we just like actually make it look good instead of I forgot the lizard people happened because uh, none of it matters right what do you think makes the uh, back ten episodes of this series so forgettable the fact that they deliberately went with like they completely basically set aside like world building and distinctive characteristics and really even a twist to the whole isekai thing under the premise of the twist was going to be the comedy because like you know haha yeah of course it's like stereotypical isekai that's the point Mm -hmm. but then they didn't do that so it was just being so it was just left with literally isekai fantasy world number like 786 straight down the middle over home plate total inconsistencies and shitty joke the weirdest thing about this production still is the decision to make it dark and edgy what started as a somewhat uninspired but genuinely compelling parody of the isekai genre took a turn and instead showed a weird man with the heads of his family members on a plate the late edition of a backstory felt incredibly out of place, not only because it was wildly unnecessary, but because it also adds to this dark tone while simultaneously breaking world canon. In regards to the shitty jokes, I started to find them to be out of place once we took a turn down dark fantasy adventure lane. Also, the slapstick humor that we get through the majority of the show does not compare to the genuinely decent parody of, of the pilot. A few episodes in the tarnish really starts to show when in the encounter with the first big bad, things rapidly shift darker. What was once a light- light-hearted parody suddenly decides to raise the stakes by having the antagonist start to behead some civilians. But it doesn't finish there. By the end of the show, what passes for jokes has degraded to the level of haha that character grabbed Restarte's boob in favor of that effort being put towards a drama about the Demon King developing a weapon to kill gods and Restarte and Seiya being star-crossed lovers reborn in another world. The whole thing just leaves me wondering why we even bothered with the comedy shell in the first place. That's a great observation. About the world canon thing. Mm-hmm. The second-to-last episode depicts the backstory of the two people. Yeah. Restarte and Seo. Mm-hmm. And how... Uh, kind of three people. We're right, three people. And all of this stuff that happens in the back uh, end of the show doesn't fucking line up. The backstory shows Seiya, Restarte, who isn't Restarte at the time, is like another chick, and then gets... You yeah. know, becomes God. Um, and then a third person, and they all die, and then presumably, say just goes back to his world, and then, because that's how the world works. But yeah, there's an it, establ- it establishes that whenever a god dies, they go back to heaven, and whenever a someone someone from an, from a different world dies, they go back to their original world. Right. But then there's an exception to this with the main story where the demon king of this world has a weapon that can kill people for real, though. That, like, doesn't happen. In the end of the series, there's this whole sequence where the king has, like, a... The king baby guy has a sword made of the stuff that can kill people but for real. But, like, he doesn't, so it's fine. And But then the demon king's got more. And, like, built a room out of it. Supposedly, that's what we that's what we have decided. <laughs> I I mean, Restarte just kind of comes out of the portal and goes, "Yeah, this stinks like that." And oh, that I were, suppose yeah. 
and the rest is uh, left up to the audience to figure out. Right. Well, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Where it's like, the whole thing is, oh, well, if he dies, he just goes back to his world. So then, but but like not in this room apparently. Yeah. This room's different. Uh, we're not going to tell you that. And it kind of just thinks of we forgot. Yeah. To like check our world, we forgot to check show cannon. Yeah. And then he does die in the East Kai world and goes back to his own world and we get a hand wave like oh well like when he beat the Demon King the power to like kill you for real though like went with him right and, so like he's fine and it's why then why did we even bother and whether you want to consider that breaking world canon is up to your discretion I guess but I think it definitely is because it's like I even, I even think they say it's like, oh, it's the material and, like, it has to do the thing. Like, it's got to kill him. You have to kill him with the material. And then it's like, oh, just kidding. You could just, like, be nearby. And, like, maybe the room is made of it and maybe it's not. Who knows? I think a fundamental issue with this is they made it so integral to the plot. Because, like, this is the same show where we're in the same fight scene that we're doing Valhalla Gate Another. Oh, yeah, they're like, oh, I make the evil gate, and then you get pulled into the gate, and then he escapes the gate. He's like, no, I'll make put another you, gate. Put you in the, another time. bigger gate, and we're doing that. And it's like, well, I mean, is... that's, that's stupid, but it's not, like, worth this level of conversation because they didn't make that central to the world building they had already established. Right, but this is, like, a big deal. Like, this, like how this material works or where it is at any point in time is pretty relevant, and it's not communicated. Uh, shitty jokes. We didn't actually spend that much talking, time talking about shitty jokes, so uh, out of all the refer- recurring jokes that they start doing, uh, which one's the stinkiest? Uh, the one where she's stinky. No, that one's actually fine. Yeah, that one's actually fine. I don't hate that one. They don't actually use it that much. Uh, I hate that he has a catchphrase that's really obnoxious. Yeah, I hate that that's another thing that they decided to make important. Yeah, they had a catchphrase. And they act- yeah, and they actually made it relevant to the plot. I think my stinkiest recurring joke, although it recurs like three times ever, but it's just so stinky, is the like, ha-ha, arrow lady horny. Followed close second by uh, Valkyrie grabs... Restarte's boob. Restarte's uh-huh. boob. That happens like five or six times. Miley's favorite one's gotta be when is about to do something and Restarte says like, oh, he's gonna grab me and pick me up and throw me in the portal. Oh, that's so nice. And then he like kicks her. Yeah. And then they like draw it out for a full minute. Yeah. And they do Jesus. that like a so, dozen times. That's really obnoxious. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And it gets old really fast. It's just the kind of thing where it's like, is it a be- is it a good joke? No, but like at least if you just did it like once, and then like once in like episode three and once in like episode nine, sure. But yeah. it happens all the time. Does the show gain anything from becoming dark and edgy and super cool and rad? Absolutely not, because it's bad at it. If you want to elaborate specifically on what you mean by not good at it. Uh, I mean, I touched on this before, but, uh, like, the fact that it already issued just about all world building, mm-hmm. the fact that it's still cracking its jokes the whole time. Yeah, that's really fucky. Makes it feel like it doesn't realize that it's out of place. Mm-hmm. 
the example that I have. Oh, say uh, there's more monsters from the Demon King's army and we need you to go fight them because uh, the king's baby mode. <laughs> and then he leaves. And a couple minutes later, oh, the king's actually on baby mode and he wants to talk to Restarte. And instead of following Saya, going to fight some, presumably have a cool fight scene, we're going to follow Restarte to go uh, talk to this dude. That happens a couple times. That happens when he uh, goes and trains as well. Yeah, like he goes to train and she's like, oh, I'm going to go take a bath. And it's like, oh, better follow the lady into the bathroom because, yep. Yeah, instead of the, like, training that's going on. You know, like the part of the show that matters at all. It clearly doesn't know what it's doing when it tries to construct a serious narrative. Uh, conclusions. This this show started off well, but in the end it enabled me to watch in real time as a decent idea slowly got taken over and turned into just another bland isekai that can't put in the effort to get itself together. The tonal jumps made it so the jokes came off as disingenuous and forced at best, and the drama was impossible to take seriously, leaving it straddling an impossible middle ground where it wasn't good at either of them. While the animation is pretty good and the opening episodes had me hopeful, this one couldn't hold it together and went the way of the White Fox Project once again. I don't know what is up with this studio, but I think I'm developing a vendetta for them at this point. Not sure what else to say other than generic, uninspired, and tone deaf. Ratings. I gave it a three. I also gave it a three. Next. Uh -oh. The big finish. Uh-oh. Isekai Quartet. 